I, uh, I joined the Navy in 1991 and I had graduated high school a year prior and I was going to community college. I was going to be a uh, school teacher. That was my plan. And those plans changed quickly as I um, decided I wanted to, to join the military. Just uh, one of the reasons, of course, to serve, but also to just, you know, other opportunity, get away from home. And the reason I joined the Navy, um, you know, when you go to the recruiting offices, which I'm sure many are, you know, they're lined up, right? You have the different branches and the, um, well, the Marine Corps, that was a big no for me because they had that pull-up bar in their office and I trust me I, I could not do a pull-up and I wasn't going to try. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah right so I continued on <laughs> to the next one and um, Air Force nobody was there um, and then so, but the Navy the guys you know the guys were in there and got in there and you know started talking to them and it was very interesting because they were very nervous um, and the senior chief that put me in, in the Navy he said, you know, I, I've never put in a woman or no, excuse me. He said, I never put in a girl. So, okay. So that was my experience. Again, them being very nervous. They didn't know they had me bring so much stuff that I had to send so many things back because they didn't know, you know, so I'm bringing all these shirts and underwear because everything, you know, is issued to you. So that, so I went um, boot camp in Orlando, Florida. Um, it's the recruit training center is no longer there. And, um, it was September, so it was very humid, um, which in some ways was a good thing because I, I lost weight every week. So it was just so dang hot and I wasn't hungry <laughs> um, there. So, you know, did that. And then, um, so of course, you know, prior to that, you know, you do all the testing, the ASVAB, and they came back with all these different opportunities that were open, I was qualified for. And, and I know one of them that stood up that I was not interested. I don't even know how I even qualified it was like electrician's technician because I have no interest. No, I don't know. I must have filled the wrong bubble in somewhere on that test. Um, but that was a zero no. So the other one, so the one I chose was storekeeper, which is supply. I'm like, okay, I, I, I think I can do that. And so the A school um, is in Meridian, Mississippi. Now, granted, I was born in California, raised in California in the Bay Area, um, very diverse uh, community that I grew up in. Um, then having to go to a, how do I say, a, a racially divided community, 1991, almost, you know, 30 years ago, um, was very interesting. Um, they actually... One day they had to close the base down for a KKK rally because they didn't want any of us going out um, onto the community. So it was, you know, it was just, it was interesting time. But the best thing that came out of that was I met who would be my husband in A school. Um, he awesome. was in the Marine and um, he had already been in the Marine Corps for four years and he, they had closed his MOS. So he was going to a new school um, for that. So it ends, our school ends, he goes to, uh, back to California, I go to Little Creek, Virginia, that was um, my, my pick, um, you know, to give you a list of opportunities, and I chose a, a small rescue salvage ship at a Little Creek, Virginia, 
which I'm glad I chose the little one before the big one because the big one was after. Um, it's uh, it was it was it was a good experience because you're the only supply person except for my chief, so you get to learn everything. And there's you know a hundred people or so on there, um, women and men. A lot of divers. That was our mission was to salvage items that crashed into the water. Um, so we had um, the divers that were um, on there, and then we did a six-month deployment into the Mediterranean. Um, you know, you can't beat that being you know 18, 19. Heck yeah, old. send me. I'll get on right. a ship for that. Hey, you know, I'm like, so yeah, so you know, you're going to, um, you know, Portugal, you're going to Spain, you're going to, you know, Italy, uh, France, I'm just thinking, we went to Greece, went to Bulgaria. Um, so, you know, it was, you know, you're young, you're just having fun and, you know, of course, doing your job, but then the opportunity to go to, you know, other countries and, where they um, went to France, it was Bastille Day, which is similar to our 4th of July. I mean, they were loving us there. I mean, they would parade and everything. Um, but one of the really, one of the standout moments of that six month deployment was our ship was small enough, we got to pull into Venice, into the canal. Mm. So you think of that, right? And the canals are pretty big. I mean, the, the ship I was on, it wasn't just a little Coast Guard cutter. I mean, it was a good sized ship, but we actually are able to go, go in and um, into the canal. And so we pulled in right behind a German ship. And let me tell you, those German guys were fascinated that we had women on the ship. I mean, they just, they were inviting us over left and right. And then they drink beer on the ship. I mean, it's like a bar, you know, right there on the, on the ship. So it was, it was very interesting um, time. I mean, I enjoyed my time. I, I learned, I learned a lot, um, on there. And, but one of the things being from California, I didn't like the, the cold and the East coast military and the West coast military are two different things. Oh, wow. Um, East coast is very formal. I mean, not to say the West coast isn't, but there is a little difference. And I said, you know, what? I want to go back to California. How can I get there? Because my time wasn't up. And I said, there has to be a way. Because, you know, you could, you know, people, you know, can say no, no. And then someone said, you know what, you can do what's called a swap. So I had, so the, in order to do this, I had to find a woman that had equal time left, was in the same, um, was also a storekeeper and that wanted to come out to the East Coast. So remember, okay, now we're in 1992. There is no Google there is, you know, there is no like cell phone kind of search engine. I mean, we're, you know, um, so to be able to find someone, so I did, I'm, I'm telling you, I got out, you know, the different directories and called around and was able to find a woman in San Diego um, that was going to trans, that wanted to transfer. So we swapped. And um, so then my next ship was a destroyer tender at a 32nd street in San Diego. Now, granted, I'm going from this little ship to this big ship. Very different. Um, of course, there are, you know, women and men on the ship because at that time, uh, women, we weren't allowed yet on aircraft carriers or submarines. There was only certain ships that they would allow women on and destroyer tenders were one of them. So I get on the ship and different because there's more, before I'm the only SK, now there's many SKs on there. So then no, what is that thing, again? You said MK? SK. So that's my, that was my rate, my position. So now 
I'm not the only one, there's more than one of us. And of course, you know, they want to start you down in the storeroom, you know, so you got to kind of work your way back up. And I got to go, they got, they sent me to forklift school. So I got to learn how to drive a forklift because, you know, we had to load items on and off the ship. So then I heard, then they said, oh, you know what, we're going to make, we're going on a six month deployment. So I'm like, okay, so we're going to go on a Westpac and did that. So went out to, um, you know, you start out, you go to Hawaii first, not too bad, right? And so this is, now we're in 1990, now it's um, fast forward. So if anyone remembers that's listening, our time in Somalia, and I uh, spent Christmas of 93 off the coast of Somalia, because our Navy ships were anchored off the coast because we were supporting the Marines and others that were on on ground. So we are again anchored out there, the only ship with women on it. And then you have all these destroyers because we're assisting the destroyers who are also helping. And it was it was just the weather was horrible. You know, you don't know what's going on um, out there. So it was it was a really interesting experience. And so my transition, uh, you know, you went to the tap class and I, honestly, I, the only thing I remember from tap class is make sure you, if you don't get a job file unemployment. That was probably the biggest thing I remember. I'm like, okay, well, I got to make sure I file unemployment. Um, and this is back when you would look for jobs in newspapers. So I had to get the, you know, the local newspapers to look for jobs and then have the ability to fax my resume um, from the ship to, to find, to find jobs. And of course, you know, register at the local unemployment office but luckily I didn't have to file unemployment because I got out of the military Friday that Friday and I started my first job Monday um, so having the ship be back to my hometown I was able to go on interviews and so I always love to share this story because you know we talk about transferable skills right the veterans you know leaders will show up on time you know the whole gamut so the only reason I got the job that I got um, is because I knew how to strip and wax decks. So I was at a floor cleaning company who sold floor cleaning products and floor buffers because in the Navy, we would strip and wax the deck. And I knew how to strip, and I knew how to wax the deck. So that got me the job over the other people that they interviewed um, for. So that was my first job out of the Navy was uh, office manager, but also in sales. Um, so in the sales capacity, I would have to go at night to meet with the different janitors and show them our products. So I'd be offloading the floor buffer and, you know, I'm 20 something years old doing this. So it's, you know, it's, it's a very interesting experience with having that job. So when I got out, 30 days later, I married my husband, the Marine. So I became a Marine Corps wife. And then 30 days later, he deployed on many deployments. We've been married um, 26 years and, you know, a lot of ups and downs. He retired, um, of course, after, he retired after 21 years. So transitioning from being a, a woman that have served and now a woman that's a Marine Corps wife is a very different transition than a lot of people have um, and quite an experience. That's That was my time in the military, of course, leaving out other things, but uh, <laughs> um just being able to, you know, have that, that transition and really figure out, okay, what am I going, what am I going to do? And then also my new role as a military spouse. 
that's a lot. <laughs> um, it is a lot. That's just a short amount of time. It's like, yes. It's, it's, what was your total time in service? So I did three years active in the rest reserve. Okay. And then how long were you in the reserves? Five, because my, my I signed up for four years active and four years reserve. Oh, so okay, got it, yeah. So I was able to cut off that one year of active duty <laughs> because of the whole downsizing of the military. Yeah, I did both active and reserve in the Army too, and I don't know about the Navy, but they're different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't re realize how different active duty and reserves were um, from each other, and I was in the same branch to do the same job. But, oh, de oh, definitely. But it's cool because I had the pink reserve ID card, then I have my dependent ID card. Okay, yeah. You know, so I got a couple questions about some, some things that you shared already. Um, I tell people that the mil military lingo is its own language, but then each branch has its own dialect with certain things. So um you mentioned going to b school so what do y'all call basic training and then what do y'all call your job training so yeah so that it was a school is our school training a is school our, is the school a training your job training just, yeah to go for your job uh, and then your your then you go to the recruit training center boot camp for and right now it's only for the navy right now it's only in chicago great lakes ah so you do your job training school before you do basic training? No, after. It's right after. after right okay. After. I was just like, wow, that's really different. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, okay, yeah. And like, you, I think, I don't know, you might know more about this than me. It, you, you mentioned your rate. You know, in the Army, we call it your, your rank or your MOS. Your rank yeah. is like you know, E6 or staff sergeant or whatever. And then your MOS is your job. And it sounded to me like uh, you, you you said, and I'm going to mess it up, I know, but you said something like KS or MS. Yes. So so in, in the Navy, we also have, we have rank just like everybody, you know, everybody else, E1, E2. And then instead of it being called your MOS, um, you call, it's called your rate. Okay. So I was SK, which is storekeeper, which is now a logistics specialist. So dependent upon, you can be like an ET, electronics technician, that's your rate. So in the military, so if you ever see with the Navy, if you see the, the chevrons on there, you'll see like a little logo. That's the rate. That's their job. You know what? So I, I got to tell you, I'm glad you said that because I was talking to somebody in the Navy um, who I think... I think he was in for at least 10 years. And when I asked about that, I'm like, what's that picture that's with your rank? And he was like, oh, that's just the Navy, right? That's your rate. And I'm like, yeah, I got it. It's your rank. I was mixing up rank and rate. And so yeah. I was, I guess I was asking, I was asking the question the wrong way because I'm like, how can you just look at somebody's uniform in the navy and know what their job is and that would be why and i you know really if you think about it that's the only branch that really identifies that unless you're like a chaplain in another branch but none of the other branch you don't really see 
how ours are depicted for each individual rate on your yeah. the on only your thing unit. that um in the army the only place that you can really uh identify uh a person's at least their branch not not branch like army navy marines but their their branch uh of like type of job is in your in your dress uniform and uh there's an image so like maybe like for the logistics like like logistics would be um the overarching branch but then there's different jobs within logistics so you could be like a warehouse specialist or you could be like whatever else is in there and then like transportation is another core but in transportation you can be a driver like a truck driver or you can be a mechanic but your branch is transportation um and so each of those branches has an emblem and you only wear that emblem on uh, your dress uniforms. Um, but, but outside of that, it, you're right. I, I think the Navy might be the only one that does that um, in your uniforms. Um, speaking of uniforms, so here's a question. I am dumbfounded at how many uniforms the Navy has. How did you keep up with that? Like, how did you keep up with, um, wait, do I wear the whites? Do I wear the khaki ones? Do I wear the blue ones? Do I wear black pants with the khaki top? Now, I think I was a recruiter. I think when I was recruiting, uh, one of the person, one of the people rec recruiters for the Navy had gotten promoted to E6. And I think she said that that's when the color of your pants change. Does that ring a bell? Yes. So when I was in, it was a little bit different and a little bit easier. Things have changed. So when I was in, either you wore dungaree bell bottoms um, on the ship or you wore coveralls, which I always preferred the coveralls because they're just much easier. And then, then in summer, you wore your summer whites. And then in you know fall, winter, you wore your blues. But now, and then the khakis, the khakis at the, when I was in only chiefs and above enlisted and only officers are allowed to wear khaki so it's easy to disseminate who those are now they've changed that to where even people that are not um or chiefs or officers can also wear uh, khaki but it's only half of it so you know they they, they change now you know they also wear the blueberry camouflage um uniform as well so when i was in it was much easier well, it's a lot. I just, yeah, it's a, <laughs> I, I, you know, and I just, I, I, when that, when that female recruiter was telling me about um, your pants change, because I think she had just gotten promoted to where she's like, now I got to go out and get all these new, and I'm like, really? And, and I think when she got promoted, like the month that she got promoted did not line up with uh when she would get that annual clothing allowance and so because oh. i think i think she had hit her um like year mark where she got that money like three or four months before so it's not like it was right around the corner um uh, so it it took a little dent in her in her wallet uh to be able to get that stuff but man that's a lot the other question that i have for you and I'm sure you could be like, oh, have I got stories. 
because um, I came in, I came in the army in '95, so I, I, I know I, I kind of smiled when you when you had made the comment about uh, there are certain things you can't just Google you know, back then. Because when I came in in '95, same thing, like cell phones, search engines, computers, they were not as big of a didn't play as big of a part in day to day operations um, like they do now. Uh, so with that, well, not, not so much with that. So also back then you, you know, there, there were the difference in what women can do in the military now is a whole lot more than what it was back then. Um, so what was it like, uh, being a woman on, on, uh any size craft really and where it's not all women it's men and women and you were definitely um confined in a space where it was predominantly male how 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 did that work out um you know one of the things is you're if I, if I look back to even both ships, I mean, not to say we're equally divided, but I mean, there was a good amount of, of, of women on, on both um, ships. So I think you just have to find your kind of, not your clique, but your group of people you, you hang out with, um, especially like when you go into port. I mean, that was always a big thing. Because um, again, if you come, again, being the woman ship, all the other guys on the other ships are waiting for you to come off the ship, not to say they're standing out there waiting, but you just have to have your, again, your tribe of people. And some of that stuff, I really, again, it could have been because I was young. I didn't really think about that. I wasn't, I mean, I, yeah, harassed. Did somebody rub against me inappropriately? Yes. Um, I, I wasn't assaulted or raped um, during my time. Um, so I don't, I mean, we just hung out. I mean, the ladies, you know, we'd hang out in our birthing area and then we had our, you know, our office where it was men and women where we worked, um, where we would just hang out or um, what reminds me of that is, um, so this is back when VHS tapes were the thing, right? Yep. And <laughs> I was a big fan of all my children. I mean, that's the soap opera. That was my thing. So my dad would record episodes as many as he could on a VHS tape, right? You know, which episode, and then he'd mail them. So again, you know, some of the episodes could come different times, but we had men on the ship that would be asking me, uh, when is all my children get in here? So then we just all hang out and plug it in, you know, in the office because we had a TV and a VCR and we'd all sit there and watch soap operas. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> just you know you know stuff stuff like that you know and of course we all have different experiences and you know it's all what you make of it and and what you do while you're on there um and i i, I don't i just sometimes it's hard for me because i i didn't realize some of such bad experiences that women had until i became involved with my women veteran organization because it was there wasn't a lot of conversation with other women about that stuff. And I don't know if it happened as much as people feel it did. Um, and I think if it did, we would know. I mean, 
you know, you talk about like the harassment or so-and-so or stay away from so-and-so kind of thing um, on there. But I, 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 and again, I didn't have that, that yeah, negative I, experience. Yeah, I, I agree. So I was in, I was active duty from February of 95 to April of 2004 and then uh, I was in the reserves from 2004 to 2019. And during that reserve time, I did have a couple of mobilizations. But, you know, I, I do think in the 90s, the, things were much simpler. Um, and, and the thing that I use to reference that with a lot of people is when I went to basic training, um, all of our drill sergeants were... Uh, either infantry and then the two well they were in infantry except for the two females that we had which were both truck drivers and I had never shot a weapon before and I was having some difficulty and the my drill sergeant was up in the tower looking down trying to figure out what I was doing wrong because you know, infantry they they they're a lot better at knowing shooting and stuff because that's that's what they do well, I remember at one point he came, at one point he came down from the tower, walked up to me. He and I'm I'm laying down on my on my stomach in that prone position. He grabs the weapon from me, puts it in the state, and then he starts to he moves my uh, like the LBV over my shoulder. I'm left-handed, so he pulled it away from my shoulder, and then he jammed the weapon in my shoulder put the strap to help brace it in, slapped both of my hands on the weapons where it needed to be. And he pushed my head forward and tilted and everything and said, don't move. And then he walked away and, and he's, cause he had, before he walked away, he said, what do you see? How does it look? Great. Don't move. And then they, and then I started shooting to, you know, to, to qualify. Did he touch me at all? Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Did he, was any, was any of it like sexual in nature? No, not at all. I did not even think twice about it because in my mind, he was doing what a drill sergeant is supposed to do. He was ensuring that I knew how to shoot a weapon. But now when, if a drill sergeant even like looks at a female, if a male drill sergeant, well, really any, but if, if a drill sergeant looks at a, at a woman the wrong way and even just touches a person, this drill sergeant has now lost his career. Um, and I, 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 I'm twofold, you know, I have, I have opinions about all that because I, you know, <coughs> I think we, I think we like as a, well, I say we Department of Defense or whatever entity has, identified that there have
Hey there. Can you hear me? Oh, I can't hear you. Yeah, I can hear you fine. I just had myself muted. So I was like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> good. Well, I'm hoping my neighbors, their um, gardeners should be almost done because they've got the leaf blower going out there, so. Oh, you know, I was recording one day and I think I was most of the way through and then uh, the neighbors were cutting the grass <laughs> and I was like, no, don't do that. No. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yay. All right. Oh, so you, you've been busy. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, yeah, I, um, goodness gracious. Yes. Uh, I was, yeah, I was telling, I was telling, um, like, so Amy, Amy Apostle, I met her on Veterati and um, because like when I was looking for a mentor about something just random and she's a Navy spouse and um, I was like, I don't, I don't, what was it? Oh yeah. I, I finally, you know, we, we kept in touch and I told her, I said, Hey, this is what I want to do this podcast. And <clears throat> so she's like, yeah, well, you, know, you should do it. I'll support it. And I told her just it, it was the end of the week last week and I said I cannot believe how many um how many episodes I already have because I I you know I'm so used to like hearing no or being turned down or rejected or whatever else that it's just it has amazed me and the stories that people have too have been crazy it's good it is it's, it's amazing I love it I love it but what do I know? <laughs> I'm just here. I'm 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 here. I'm along for the ride, cause that's what's up. Oh, I hear it. Oh, busy. I kind of slow down a little bit, so I, I'm surprised people are even scheduling meetings for next week. So I'm like, okay, Wednesday's my cutoff. I'm done after that. So. Yeah. Well, and you know, it was I was doing that. So for me um i had I, at one point i had said okay wednesday the 15th that's it nothing else and then like it's like people came out of the woodwork because like there was somebody else that that i think um after you like the after this um day that you and i had initially talked uh, i had the same like technical issues or whatever and so and then other people canceled saying hey i'll reschedule with you and now I'm like, look, dude, next week's Christmas. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, so I have I have one person. I don't know if you know who this is. Um, they so they do the I think I think the organization is um uh, like the military family magazine, I think. Oh yeah, I've I've seen that magazine. Okay, I've seen the magazine too. And and I was looking on LinkedIn and this this one guy. I um, uh, I saw that he was a veteran, so I said, "Hey, would you like to do this podcast thing?" And next thing I know, he's like, "Tell you what, let's connect and see what we can do to support you." And oh, by the way, there's like two other people on his team that he invited to be a part of the. So we're not going to record next week. Wow, that's loud. 
So we're not going to record next week. So I'll probably just have them as like one of them because at the end of the month, I'm going to just say, okay, here's season one. Um, and so I'll probably just put them, you know, for season two. But um, goodness, it's crazy. Like it's just, it, it's blowing my mind. Um, people saying, well, how can we support you? Or um, yeah, I'll do it. I don't know. That's <laughs> good. That's a good thing. It is. Yeah, it really is. I I, I like it. I I'm glad that people. Whoa! I'm glad that people are willing to do it. Um, to willing to, um, share their stories. Um, uh, one guy. Um. Two days ago, Navy veteran. What's up with you, Navy people? Um. <laughs> But he's a Navy veteran and um, he got, you know, he, he, you know, shared his story about how he got kicked out of the, uh, out of the military. He was supposed to be med boarded, you know, did an illegal substance um, while he was still in going through the med board pro um, process. And then they did a urinalysis. So he came up hot on it. And so they stopped his med board and then just kicked him out. Mm. And I mean, it's stuff like that, that, I'm, it just it frustrates me I mean because and he and I even talked about this he's like yeah sure I did an illegal substance and that's my fault but we don't we 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 kind of don't look when I say we the military we don't look at the what was leading up to it because he was I, I think what what his what it was, he was on his way to be stationed to Japan and found out he had cancer and had to go in like two days later to have surgery so his world was kind of flipped upside down you know here you are going to get your vaccinations and stuff and you have cancer mm. but anyway what do, what do i know i have more of a heart i guess than military people are supposed to have <laughs> yeah, that's good so so just to you know so i do have a hard stop in 45 minutes because i have a call so and i don't know i know we need to continue where we we had left off so whatever you want it's you you roll with the questions i want a million dollars do you have any no sorry um, oh that was quick all right well it's been real it's been fun i would share trust me i i'm one of those if i had it i would definitely i have i do share with what little i have but if i had that I'd <laughs> even more heck yeah um yeah so what i did i i had already done some editing with with our conversation and i think if I remember correctly, I think we pretty much finished like just your time in the Navy. Yes. And so we were just gonna, you were just gonna talk about your organization. Yeah. So that's what, that's what the, um, that's what the question would be is like, is, is what is your organization that you started? Why did you start it, start it? And like, what are y'all up to now? Got it. Good. Let me let me just yell at my daughter real quick. I'm gonna put you on mute so I don't hurt your sure. ears. <laughs> a little over five years ago, I was looking for a organization or just a group of women veterans to network with, more on a professional basis. You know, I wasn't looking for the traditional veteran service organization. And um, so I'd called around and 
you know, called over to the VA and they had an MST support group. And I'm like, no, it's not what you know, I'm looking for. You know, and I, I know I had known women veterans at that time. So I put the word out on Facebook and I said, hey, I'm getting, you know, the third week of um, January, if anyone's interested, we're going to be at El Torito's in Sacramento, helping to women veterans, active duty guard reserve, come on out. And they did. So that's where it all started, January 2015 at El Torito's. And there's about 20 ladies there, um, all branches, officer enlisted. And some, most of them didn't know each other. Some did, but most, they didn't know each other. So what's, what was really cool is because I made sure they, they had a kind of a semi-closed off space, but what was cool is they had this big, long table. So all the women were there at the table, you know, being able to conversate with each other. So it was, it was a, um, an opportunity for women to connect. Uh, we could have closed that restaurant down. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. Just the women and the you know, laughing and having, having a good old time. And I always get goosebumps when I think about that, that day, um, because I didn't think it would turn into what it is today. That was not the initial intent. And the intent was, hey, let's get together once a month. I'll find a restaurant, find a speaker, and let's get together. So we agreed the third Thursday of the month and just continued to grow and grow. And more women started finding out about the organization. And it was interesting, one of the ladies that came, one, one of the first few ones uh, meetings, and she said, I thought I was the only woman veteran in Sacramento. I mean, and she was like serious. She truly felt like that's, she was just the only one there. And then to be able to connect, you know, with other, other women at that time um, was, you know, very, very beneficial. So, with this growing, and I always tell people this was a hobby. I mean, I had my own speaking business. I had just launched my book the year before, and I just went full, jumped in. I didn't test the water. I didn't see how deep it was, how hot or how cold it was. I just jumped in, and um, I'm glad I did it that way because if I really sat back and put the whole business plan and all that kind of stuff, I probably wouldn't have expanded it the way I did. I kind of just took a lot of risk, um, which most entrepreneurs do. You do take the, take the risks, um, of course, making mistakes along the way. Um, so, you know, so I, I did self-fund, you know, the organization in the beginning to really, you know, kind of think about, okay, we have to bring in money to sustain what we're doing. And then it became, okay, now we got to get a website. Now we got to get Facebook, you know, so it's now we have to get ourselves out there. Now we have to get a logo. Now I got to get it trademarked. So it was just, it was just, it was starting a business. Um, and that's what it turned into. And, you know, a networking organization that was helping women and they were just coming out. They still just come continue just to come, um, and connect. Um, and I always tell people, this is my purpose. Everything that I've done in my past have all been stepping stones that has brought me here to serve women veterans. And um, that's what I do and love, love to do it. Was that my computer or yours? Oh, it might have been mine. Uh, okay. Let me, oh, let, me, let me Yeah. All right. So do y'all, do y'all, um, 
do y'all still meet like once a month? So for the first two, first like four years we did, and actually that group had gotten so big, we actually had a we had to split it off into two groups. Um, so with that, so you know, I think when I look back on it, I mean, it was something new. So everybody, you know, the first year was fantastic. I mean, get new people, and you know, just keep trying to keep that momentum going um, there. So now it's it's still the third Thursday. It's just you know, it's a meetup group. We do it, you know, things of course online um, there. But that's been the focus. And then of course, you know, wanting to expand. So we had additional chapters and uh, expanded outside of California. That wasn't really working so I decided that the chapter model is just not good for me and what we're trying to do um, but the group the group still meets I mean these are it's interesting there's several women in there who I thought that they were friends before they came because they're like best buddies they met in the group and these ladies today you know almost going on six years are still I mean they're still good friends because they uh. have met you know at one of our events or the different things that we do um, yeah, yeah. I, and that sounds like it sounds like what you were doing is what i've seen or heard about in a lot of different towns or communities of like women in business or whatever the case may be and it's just that group of people whatever the parameters are just get together and network and it and, it, and that's i think that's great and you scared me for a second there because you said when you started off, you didn't have a business plan. You didn't do this. Everything was self-funded. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Starting this podcast and a website. I don't have a job. My only income is my disability check. And I'm using it to you know, make pay those monthly you know, website and podcast stuff so I thought oh my gosh I don't want to turn into something some big organization because that's what that's all I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting people I'm wanting veterans to be able to share their stories on a podcast and then other people hear that story and say oh I'm not alone I thought I was the only person that experienced this whatever this is um, and and so the, the, the stories kind of be a means of encouragement for the person that's sharing the story but also encouraging for the person that hears it and lets them know that they're not alone i also had a a, a psychologist that was on who um is not military but she has worked with the military and she's uh, i think she's considered a trauma expert and um so hearing her talk about and share um, some of the research that she's done as it relates to trauma and veterans and her to talk for her to talk about her books has been great too. And so I just want the website and the podcast to be a, like a hub of like a place to network with, without a prescribed time, like what you guys had. And maybe, maybe that's something that I can start at some point is having a weekly or bi-weekly or something virtual connection to bounce ideas off of each other and see and see what it turns into because there I, I feel like there are so many questions that veterans have and there's so many things out there for us to take advantage of but we don't know what's out there because we don't ask 
and sometimes we don't know what to ask because we just were clueless did you did you run into that too because that, you went you went from being a service member to a spouse or you were already a military spouse but you know how was that how was that transition for you um well being a service member to spouse and then having to also be a civilian as well and then having to you know go through those waters and trying to find you know your own job and you know business or you know other different things that i i did during that time um you know of course i mean with anything there are challenges right so but i feel that having those experiences really helps me to help veterans today you know i've been in the military for over 20 years so i have connections and i have people and i know i know different things and resources so to be able to take all that and to be able to help people but then also also too is hopefully they don't make the same mistakes that i did or you know those oops um, or help them so it doesn't take them as long it's like okay let's you don't need to do this you don't need to do this let's bypass this and get you here mm -hmm. um, because you know and it's you know and i was a recruiter for over 12 years in, in human resources and one of the big things too is when i was a recruiter and also when i would help job seekers is a lot of times people would freeze because they didn't have their resume ready so you think about it right so you think about that even as a business so i could have froze because i didn't have a business plan I'm like okay I, I can't i can't do anything i don't have this ready um you know it's the same thing with the job seekers i mean people would literally say i, I can't I can't proceed or I can't call companies and do information because I don't have a piece of paper ready. You know, it's like it's just a piece of paper. Um, you know, and there's so much you can continue to do without having that. Um, so, I, you know, it's kind of just sharing like tips and just different tips of, you know, and it's, and it's also too what people do with that. I mean, I, it's, you know, it's the whole leading, you know, the horse to water. I mean, I could, you know, help you. That you you know there's things that you got to do you know the whole teaching the fish the you know everything but veterans aren't going to know i mean just think if you got out of the military last month and you moved to back home or to a community how are you going to know where to go there's yeah. nobody right it's like at least you know when you're in the service and you pcs other things there's people there that are going to help you um things but the veterans you know they don't have that and especially when it comes to women where are they going to find that resource and what i find too is a lot of civilians you know if you asked a civilian if i just went outside and asked a civilian hey i'm a veteran do you know where i should go they'll tell you to go to the va hospital so and they don't see, they just say the va right they don't under they don't know they you know they think it probably helps with everything but it doesn't um so we just have to make sure that we have clearly defined resources and how our veterans can access those resources for what they need. Because if I was looking for a job, you tell me to go to the VA, the hospital, I mean, there's nobody there that's gonna help me with my resume or, you know, talk about my job experience. I mean, it's, unless I was a recruiter. Yeah, the hospital just does medical stuff. It's what the does hospital. <laughs> well, that's what it does, or get your benefits. I mean, you can, you know, or your healthcare benefits. Like, okay, well now I need to go and I need to file a claim. Well, where do I go? You know, and when you walk into, you know, we have um, RVA here, you know, you walk in there and it's, you know, it's usually the older, 
man or woman that's the volunteer that's got their vest on and you know wants to help you get to where you need to go um and so it's just making sure that we're getting them where they need to to go so a question that i'd have for you then because there are so many issues that veterans have and some of them are unique um unique to gender and some of them are unique to you know couples or whatever the case may be what are some things with because your organization is is for female women veterans what are some issues that you have found that women have that are unique to women in the military or women veterans well, Maybe. of course you know we're 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 built differently than men <laughs> we have different uh, body parts so um but also too one of the other th things if i get it like more into depth is a lot of it is the way we handle things or the way we ask for things um or the way we feel or just so it's it's to me, it's just a little bit different. You know, it's different from the guy asking for something or the woman asking for something um, or the woman thinking that she won't qualify for something, you know? So it's, you know, we kind of, we kind of, we do, we have a different mindset and how can we get women to shift as far as that mindset or don't, and this has happened where women may feel, oh, I have MST, I can't go to work. I mean, it may be severe where you can't, but there, you know, don't let that be a barrier for you to, you know, to go out and do what you want to do, whether you want to start a business or things, because, you know, you can, you know, there's, there's resources out there um, to help you um, with that or with, you know, PTS, there's other, there's resources here to help you. I mean, we have a fantastic vet center here in the Sacramento area um, and they do great thing, you know, things with the women vets and also they bring in the families. So there, there, there are things there that, that can help. Um, but the biggest thing is if you don't ask, how do we know how to help you? And you may even not even know how you need help. Um, it could have been just one of those things where you saw something on the uh, social media and you just wanted to find out more. And then the conversation starts here and then end up having a larger conversation, which happens many times when I do speak with women or even I just actually spoke to um, a, a, a woman veteran's mom. She's like, I, I found your website. My daughter has this, 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 and this. How can I help her? You know, so it's getting getting the, the parents also connected to be able to help their um, their kids or their kids or adults. Have you um, have you dealt with a lot of um, women veterans who have had an MST? Because I, I, you mentioned MST. Have you have you had a lot of women veterans that have sought out help for an MST that they experienced? Yes, and I, I, and I will connect them with people. I'm not the person to, I'm not trained to, you know, to help women specifically with that. It's if they come and they say, okay, this is what's happened. Okay, are you looking for, you know, do you want to get therapy or are you looking for it to do a claim? Because those are two different things too. So it's really understanding where they're at. And then I had, which was interesting is a couple of years ago, on one of the local hospitals, it was a, um, a therapist had reached, he had reached out to me because he had a woman veteran that um, she suppressed it for like 30 years and it came out in their therapy. 
Um, so he just wanted to know a little bit about more about our organization. So, you know, if that way he can pass that information along to her to be able to help her. But I was just, you know, he, I was surprised she had suppressed that for that long. Um, and you never know, there's things, right, that do happen where you suppress and then something triggers um, that. And it's like, okay, now, you know, what, what do we do? Um, and also too, that's why I was want to make sure too, is, you know, when somebody Googles women veterans, I want us to be there too, because we can help that woman as she's doing that search on Google to help her get connected. It's not just, you know, our site, yes, our site is information, but it also has a, a way to contact us to be able to help. Yeah, and, you know, I, I personally had experience in MST and while I was in, and so I know, and it was towards the end of my career, and I just know the loneliness that you feel when you, um, there's just there's such a loneliness that you uh, you can feel and to have even if it's not your fault you feel like it's it's your fault um and so you have that you're carrying guilt shame anger frustration um did i say shame and guilt and anger and frustration because it's accentuated um so it's hard to find somebody that you can trust to talk to about it because the first thing that you're going to think about is, am I going to get judged or am I going to get condemned? Um, and where can I go get help? Absolutely. You know, and one of the ladies, and actually since then, others will say this. They say, when I come to your group or to your unconference or whatever, I feel like I can take my mask off and I can be who I am. And that's the way we should feel, just even as women, right? We should feel that way. Because now, you know, you, you want to be able to share what happened. You may not have to get, you know, in the weeds about everything, but now you, you've come to a safe place where you can talk about it. And then someone will say, you know, I experienced similar thing and this is where I went or this is how I got help. And the biggest thing women will say too is I'm here for you. I mean, just, you know, imagine going to a group where they say that, you know, I understand that whether it's just life or whether it's kids stuff or family stuff. I mean, just to have, and there's no judgment um, when it comes to that. And there's no, you know, it's funny too, when we get together, yeah, we'll, you know, you know, talk about people, the different branches of service, but it's all in fun, right? And we need that, you need to laugh and talk about that, you know, but just to have that, and it's just experiencing that is, I just, there's so many women that, that need that. And also too, another great example of when we talk about need and giving, I um, had met this woman, she was getting ready to retire from the Air Force. She's like, I'm retiring, retiring. She says, I don't need this group. And she was very serious. Um, and I said, well, what if somebody needs you? And she just like flushed red, just because she was thinking of herself, like she didn't need it, but you have, you've been in the military for what, over 20 years, just think how much you have to give, right? So if, again, if we shift, it's the mind shift, the way we think about things of how we can help our women veterans. Yeah. And that's one of the things, the last six years that I was in, because, and, and I think the thing that I have um, in my corner that's really helped me I was active duty and reserves. So I have experience on both sides of the coin for that. 
And then, and so the last six years I was an instructor and to me, that position was me doing exactly what you were talking about. As soon as I um, got certified to be an instructor, I thought, okay, great. My, my career is over. Um, and, and I'm, when I said it was, say it was over, it was, I, my focus is no longer on me. My focus is now training people as an instructor to do what I did. And it's not just merely saying, here's the information that I'm required to show you, but here's how it worked for me. And here's, and I think that was the most valuable part that I could bring to the table because, you know, but it's the military. So of course there are certain things that I was required to do and required to say. And for me, honestly, I only did the bare minimum of what I was required to. Everything else um, was me using my experience to teach it because what I mean what experience is the best teacher and so what better way for me to use my experiences whether it was my mistakes or the things that I did right share that with somebody else kind of like what you said so somebody else doesn't make the same mistake that I did absolutely because it made sense to me at the time but then I if my plan fell through so hey you don't make that same mistake I did kind of thing definitely when you bringing up the reserves that that you know brings up other things is we have women that are in reserves and national guard. I mean, talk about feeling isolated too, because you might be in a community where there's no base. I mean, you're just there going there for your reserves. So, you know, it's, and that's why we too, we embrace and we make sure we're bringing in those ladies as well in the reserve and the guard and of course active duty um, because they might just, there's there, I mean, they're t- probably more disconnected than anyone as well. They put on the uniform, but then they just come back into their, the civilian world. So it's just, you know, because they have they have things that they need to connect with us too. So I always heavily encourage that. And we, we do that. We have a reserve base here. Um, well, we have three active bases, but we also have reserve areas. So I let them know, hey, that we're here to share that. And I've even actually gone to speak at some of their all, um, all hands um, meetings to let them know as well. And just we're, we're here as a resource. Yeah, I, and I do think that's great because uh, I think about I think about quite often if I had not been active duty prior to my reserve time, I would be lost because it you know in the reserves disseminating information just did not happen, and so we, you know I would hear I would hear active duty people say things and and then see reservists saying, wait really no that's not a real thing, and I'd be like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> we might have to go about taking advantage of that a little bit differently because we're not active duty, but yes, that is a real thing that you can take advantage of. Yeah. So it, it is good to, um, to, to be mixed in a mixed crowd of active reserve and guard, because that way you can bounce ideas off of each other. Um, because it just, it's unfortunate and it's unfortunate that it's like that across the board, not just the army reserves, but if you're that weekend warrior, no matter what the branch is, you just don't, you don't live and breathe the military like the active duty does. But on the flip side, you know, I had a conversation with two spouses and we were talking about that because of the two spouses, they came, they both came from two different branches. And then one of them was, um, their, their, their husband was active duty and the other one, their husband was reserves. And we were talking about those different, uh, the differences in the dynamics um 
the comment that I made was, unfortunately, I remember being active duty saying, I hate reservists. <laughs> I did. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I hate reservists. They're so <laughs> clueless. They just, they're, they're all jacked up calling each other by their, uh, their first names and, you know, whatever. And, and then I became a reservist and I'm like, you know, it wasn't just that group of people or that one particular unit. It's like that across the board, because I think a lot of times it's a mindset of, I'm just going in for one weekend a month, two weeks in the year to do my thing, check in the block. I get paid everybody's happy whereas yeah. on active duty your mindset is not i'm just going in to get paid it's like this is what i live and breathe this is what i do day in and day out so that in that reserve when i had made that comment about oh i hate reservists they're just they're all messed up we our unit was deploying and we had an entire reserve battalion activated and attached to our unit and we would joke around saying, well, you don't have to wonder which ones are the reservists. They're the ones that are just walking around all lackadaisical and stuff. But yeah, it's fun times. Yeah, not really, but it sounded good for a second. Um, <laughs> um, so of the of the I know I'm so I know the name of your organization is for is, is about women veterans. Do you also uh, have um, uh, maybe a significant group of people who are spouses of veterans that participate with you? So our main focus, of course, is women that have served. And um, when we do have our annual unconference, uh, military spouses, they're, they're more than welcome to come. Um, but what's interesting, too, is if you look at a lot of military spouses, uh, or a lot of women veterans, myself included, were dual service. So our husband is either still serving or had served or they're divorced. So it's, it's interesting because a lot of women have that. Um, but I help, especially being a military spouse and, and women do call, um, you know, I get calls from spouses that will help them. I, I even help the guys, they'll call because, you know, some, someone said to have them call me and, and I'm, I'll, I'll help. It doesn't, that's, that's not about that. Um, it's just that we need to have our own. I mean, there's so many great military spouse organizations out there and magazines and, you know, they're having conferences and they're having groups and they're doing all this stuff. You know, they've got the shirts in the, in the exchange, you know? So it's just like, right. And, and it's all in most of the time too, you know, of course we get put in with the veterans, but there are specific needs that women have as a veteran that just, you know, are not being met. And that's why I feel having my organization and other organizations, we're helping to meet that need that is out there for women who put on the uniform because we, it's a different, it's a different service. And I know, you know, women that are spouses that hadn't served, they say we serve too, but you serve in a different capacity. It's, it's, it's very different when you, you put on that, when you put on that uniform. Yeah. And that's something that came up when I was talking with those uh, spouses as well, is that there you know there is there yeah i i have a heart for spouses i was never married while i was in um and kind of like the reservist i was like all right you spouses y'all need to quit wearing your husband's rank you just need to go and do your running thing go home and whatever but uh so but now um i think 
I think especially when I got it got to where I had soldiers under me who were married and then some of them having marital issues and you know parenting issues whatever the case may be I started to have a little bit more compassion towards the spouse but and, and so so I feel like I feel like I can say the spouse did serve too but that spouse needs to not cross that line of thinking that they are equal to the person wearing the uniform because they're not you do have to sacrifice a lot as a spouse because you're not you're it's not like you're you're married to somebody that's a corporate executive you're married to somebody who wears a uniform who may come home one day and say hey i'm going to be gone for 13 months or nine months or whatever the case may be and you can't it's not like your boss said hey would you like to go to asia yeah you know, right. next nine months it's it's hey you're going to asia it's not a question it's that you are going so it, you know so there is there is a difference in being married to a person in uniform versus being a, a married to a, a corporate executive who has to go out of town for the weekend and then come back yeah um, oh, definitely i 100 percent agree and you know a lot of times too the spouse there's a lot of stuff she doesn't she doesn't know and i'll just just say if she or just the spouse yeah. doesn't know is that either the service member isn't cluing them in or the command isn't including the spouses and stuff. So they're kind of, you know, sometimes just they don't know because they're not, that information is not being shared with them. So sometimes they are at a disadvantage. I mean, mm -hmm. they you know it's like, okay, where, where do I go now? My husband's deployed and I have problem, you know, with my pay. So, it's, I mean, of course, most of them have, you know, your sergeant majors or your master chiefs or stuff to help mm -hmm. but you know just even when they retire um so when my husband retired from the marine corps he went to a different tap class he went to retirement but they did offer that the spouse could come in which mm -hmm. i i mean i don't that should just be universal mm -hmm. that the spouse should be part of those conversations because a lot of times she's the one doing that you know the different things so why shouldn't this i don't want to let's not say she because there's also he's mm -hmm. um, the spouse should be included during that transition process. Um, that way they're both getting that information to help them be successful when they do get out. Um, and they do understand that, hey, you know what? If I don't have a job in two weeks, there ain't no paycheck coming direct deposit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that that is true. And I noticed that when I retired, so I retired from the reserves uh, in the spring of 2019. And one of the things that I did notice was, um, that first day of one of those tap classes is them saying, hey, if you're married and your spouse is available, tell them to come too, so y'all can go through this together. And I thought that was amazing because it is it is true. And I remember uh, uh, sitting, I was at a, a, a desk that had, there was like seats for four and the two people that I was sitting next to, they were a couple and I would hear them, I would hear them talk asking each other questions or making comments that and, and they would make comments or ask questions that the other one didn't think about and so that's why i think it was great that they were both there yes um so i want to i i want to go back to um us women yes yes <laughs> um what so what you know what are some um unique women interactions I say interactions, I don't know, unique situations or interactions that you have had with women that either you've had to help them with or you've had to kind of navigate to figure out yourself 
for the sake of helping that person? Is there anything that sticks out? I mean, there's all kinds of things. I mean, a lot of times, a lot of times it's has to do with VA healthcare or them accessing or having issues with their benefits. Um, so that's why I built relationships with people I can refer those women to, um, to be able to help them. Cause a lot of times you're just stuck. You're like, okay, I don't, I, you know, the VA referred me out for this, or I can't get an appointment for this, or, you know, I, I filed my claim and I haven't heard, you know, who can I talk to or where do I start? So that's a lot of times that's the conversations, um, that we have. And then of course there's the calls of, um, getting, whether it's a woman or someone else calling me to say, Hey, we have a domestic violence, you know, situation, or we have a woman that's, you know, in need, where can we help her? Even though we're not set up to directly provide her money or the service, but I'm going to redirect and get her connected with someone that can help her. Um, and I, I feel that that works a lot better than telling somebody to call the 800 number or an 800 number, right? Or whatever, but you know, email. So at least they get a warm handoff and to the proper person. I think that's so key to have um, with that. Because if you call, you know, again, if you refer people to the VA or say, oh, we'll go to your local VFW post. I mean, it's, you know, we just have to have better better access for women and for those people that are picking up the phone to be able to help them correctly. Right. Yeah. And the VA starting to do better, you know, even in the last five years, cause I have great relationships with the VA because, you know, they're a federal agency. They're a, you know, they're a government agency. And a lot of times they, they act and think like a government agency. They can only do, they can only do so much, right. They have to stay within these parameters. That's just like, you know, being having collaboration and partnership with them for them to be, for us to be able to collaborate. I think that's another thing that's important is the VAs to partner with the local nonprofits, to partner with the businesses, you know, to partner with all these organizations so we can all help our veterans. It shouldn't just be the VA. The VA is not equipped to handle our veterans. Um, it should be the community helping our veterans, whether that's looking over their resume or, you know, just helping with different things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and not just on Veterans Day or, um, or, you know, picking up socks for the homeless veterans. I mean, there's just certain things that people do, which is great, but there's just, there's more than, and I think it goes back to the thank you for your service. It's like, okay, there's more that our community can do for our veterans, but a lot of it, they don't know how. Um, and that's when I go to speak at different organizations, I let them know how they can help. Because yeah, it's easy to say thank you for your service or it's, you know, easy. We to, support our troops. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> right. And they do, it's like, okay, I packed a hundred, you know, boxes of Girl Scout cookies to send overseas. Well, you know, there's probably more you can do and it's, it makes people feel good. But a lot of people are sick of Girl Scout cookies overseas because they're getting so many yeah. <laughs> cookies, right? Uh, but that's, you know, but that's how people, again, it's, 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 that, you know, it's that whole mindset and that's just that shifting of how can they truly help, you know, yeah, our yeah. And so I guess, I guess what I'm looking for is maybe, um, what are not, not, not the person's name or whatever, but like some, some more like specifics, like what are like something, some specific things that you can, um, have done that you've helped, uh, oh. women do like 
oh, I've had a, a, a large group of women who were about to become homeless or they were health issues or they were parenting issues. Like, what are some things that you have found yourself encountering with women veterans? So, well, I've had, I've had the, actually, you know what, just um, a couple weeks ago, actually, it's more than a couple weeks ago, because she had her mastectomy a couple weeks ago. I had a woman veteran um, that was diagnosed with breast cancer that had reached out um, to me because she was having, um, well, of course, she's, you know, flustered. I mean, you know, you're going through all these things. And then she lives out in a rural community. So, you know, for her to be able to access the VA and get her care. So it was one of those things where it was a, a community getting connected with the VA, the Women's Health Clinic, you know, just others of how can we best help her. Um, and I like to do those things because, yeah, it's time consuming, but then I get to learn, right? I get to find out more information and see, okay, how can we best help her? You know, and it's, and then, which she had her surgery last week and we're waiting to find out if she, what she has to have as far as chemo, because if she's an hour, more than an hour away from the VA where she has to have the chemo, I mean, are, are we expecting her to drive, you know, there, you know, it's like, okay, can we get us, maybe there we can look at getting a hotel voucher for her, at least to stay overnight so she'd be okay. You know, so there's just these. Yeah. Or know, DAV. Yeah. So, but some people don't know there's different things. It's like, okay, because some people say, oh, we can't do that. Then it's, you're done. I'm like, no, let's find out who can do it. Um, and, and that's why I feel it's, a, we're again, not being a government agency. I can not say I can do whatever I want, but I don't have to, again, to, I don't have those restrictions when it comes to how we can help. I mean, if it, if it calls for me, which I did a few years ago, we had a, a homeless uh, woman veteran who reached out and she was just getting her first apartment. I put the word out. I rented a U-Haul truck and drove miles and miles to pick up furniture from different women and stuff they had and delivered it over to her. So again, we, we need to just do whatever it takes to be able to help them. I mean, bottom line with whatever calls or other things we get we just need to do what it takes and we need to incorporate our civilian friends also to be able to help us um, with that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's great that you do that because with the, with like, you know, when you mentioned government agency agencies and you're like, I can do whatever I want cause I'm not one of them. Um, I think, I think that ends up being a, a big frustration for a lot of people of I, I, I have a need and I'm a veteran, but I went to the VA before to uh, try to get an appointment. And it was so frustrating that it's not worth me going back to the VA to try to get an appointment again, even though I know I need it. So yeah. it is frustrating for a lot of people. So what do you do? I mean, it's just yeah. like one of the things here is um, for our veterans to get the HUD bash, which is the section eight, and it's for mm -hmm. veterans to get low income housing. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a certain, if you make more than whatever it is, you don't qualify. So if you're a veteran, 100% disabled, you're making over $3,000 a month. That is too much. So you do not qualify for low-income housing, which I think is BS. So it's like, how can we work around this to be able to help get veterans, you know, 
into that. And that's again where they say, well, this is the, you know, this is the policy. Well, okay, well, maybe we need to have legislation or other things to be able to get around this um, because it's silly. And that's, you know, that's um, when, when a lot of these other, when, you know, nonprofits get funds, it's either restricted or non-restricted. I don't want no funds that are restricted. Uh, you, if I want, if I want something, it better be non-restricted because I need to use it how I need to use it. Because what happens with them too is they may not be able to help a veteran because they don't fit into that restricted funds category. So it's like, you know, again, that's BS because they didn't, maybe they're not post 9-11 or they're not this or not that, they cannot receive services. Um, so you just try to find the people that can help them. So, you know, there's just a lot of, and just, you know, and the VA is starting to get better about the whole OTH and, you know, trying to work around that, you know, because there are certain benefits that they can't get because of their discharge status, you know, and a lot of VA and other organizations are working on those that had, you know, like OTHs, getting them, you know, changed because a lot of times there's different reasons that they had an OTH. Um, so it's just, you know, there's just, there's so much we, we still need to do. Um, yeah, with you saying that, with you saying that, that reminds me of a time I was in, so I was in Kentucky for a little over two years. Uh, I was a contractor there on Fort Knox and the contract ended and so did my time at being able to stay where I was staying on base because my contract was over. So I found myself having to take advantage of a homeless shelter and it was not, I, I found it not through the VA but I just happened to like know somebody who knew somebody. And fortunately the people who ran that homeless shelter were both veterans. One was a Navy veteran. Uh, it was a couple the the husband was a Navy veteran and she was an army veteran. So because I, I, from their own experiences they've had to take advantage of the different veteran resources but their homeless shelter was not for veterans only it was for people within that community so they when it came to like i remember having to deal with something something close to what you were talking about because of my disability check um i remember the, the wife she had said to me she said i think you, you make too much for that if you're at 60 percent service connected you're overqualified for, for, for whatever this benefit was that we were talking about. Uh, and it wasn't a veteran benefit, it was something out in the community. Um, so I think having, I think having people that are in the military, who are veterans who were in the military as well as people out in the community know that if a resource is not available for a person and that person is a veteran, they may have something similar that they can take advantage of through the VA or through some other resource. Absolutely. It's, just, Absolutely. it's about getting out there and figuring figuring that out and then advocating for people. Well, you, you got to, I mean, because again, a lot of them, they just don't know where, where to go. I mean, it's, you know, it's everything from, you know, the, the food insecurity piece to the, you know, housing, you know, and then jobs. I mean, there's just, there's just so much um, that, we need to continue to do just as just as a whole but we also you know as veterans there's other factors that are going on too um and not to always assume that's the case but a lot of times there you know there is so you know how can how yeah. can we best help help them um, yeah 
And I think you said you had something at four o'clock that you had to go, I, right? For them, yeah, they'll, they'll call me. I'm, I'm actually having an old school phone call. Woohoo! Say it ain't so. Do you have to turn the rotary dial too? Yeah, no, not this time. <laughs> you can at least press the buttons. <laughs> Yeah. all right well hey that's awesome um okay. yeah I, and so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take i'm gonna take this little bit of recording and then i'm gonna um i'm gonna edit it and then put it you know marry it up with our first time that we connected okay so that way we'll have it all together wow yeah yeah someone wants to listen to all my uh my my rants yes well that's what i'm gonna edit out no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna cut all that out Hey, I'm, everything I say, I stand by what I say. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good thing because you just set it on record, woman. Yeah, I did. I did. I did say it. So. Well, I do appreciate uh, you, us being able to reconnect to do that. Definitely. Definitely. Once you get all your stuff, I'll be happy to share it on my social media as well. And um, okay. you have a super Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You too. All right. You're all right for a Navy veteran. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Have a nice day.